It is, uh, it is good to be back in the sanctuary, amen? Uh, I'll just invite you to look around for a moment. Man, you guys look beautiful today. I mean, we got some beautiful, handsome people here today. And uh, it is good to see you all. Uh, 65 weeks. It's been 65 weeks since we last met in this room. And, uh, and so it is, it is wonderful uh, to be back here, and today is a great day. We have been through some stuff, haven't we? Oh, man, we have been through some stuff here and back, and it's been way too long. You know, when you're a kid, uh, Grandpa and Grandma always tell you stories about how they had to travel five miles to school, uphill both ways, barefoot through the snow, and you're like, come on, Grandpa, come on, Grandma, and it wasn't that bad. If you would have told me some of the stuff that we would have uh, be going through a year and a half ago, I'd say, come on, it's not going to be that bad, it can't be that bad. We've been through some stuff, and uh, it is wonderful to be back in here, and uh, certain stories, uh, we tell, we'll have stories to tell for years from now, and, uh, but God has been uh, good. Certain things throughout this pandemic will have affected us more than what we probably even realize in the moment. Like, we, ne- we may never know, and it, maybe it'll be years from now, maybe it'll be decades from now, we may never know even until eternity how certain things have affected us internally and even psychologically. Social isolation, uh, distance learning for the kids. I mean, we read in the, uh, in the papers in the, uh, uh, online every day about the viruses, about germs, and these things get sink, sink into our mind and into our hearts, and they affect us, and they have an influence on how we feel. And there are certain things that have affected even kids. I, heard a, I, I read a story a while back about how young kids that are learning to speak their, their speech development has been delayed because part of how you learn to speak is by watching other people's uh, mouths and how they move. And kids that have been surrounded by adults with masks on every day have had speech de- uh, delays. And all of these things have affected us more than what we realize. Some for the positive. I'll admit there are some Zoom meetings I'd rather meet with people on my computer screen than uh, face-to-face because it goes more quickly, and that's fine. And some of DoorDash is some of your best friends now. Uh, But there's been a lot that has not been good. Like, I look around at the culture today, and have not the political divides been accelerated during this time? That's because political uh, divides happen when we don't interact with people face-to-face. That that fear of the other— is sown in uh, spaces of isolation and online forums. And, uh, and when we don't have healthy relationships and the emotional support that comes from one another, then it affects us internally. And spiritually, the pandemic has accelerated uh, the, the uh, loss of connection with Christian community. In fact, sociologists have said that we were on a path to being a quote-unquote what they say a post-Christian nation and that has been accelerated during this time because many have lost connection with their church and, and many have lost connection with God himself. 
And now I say all of that and there's been negative. I've also seen that there have been some that have turned back to the Lord during this time and have looked to him. This has been, in a sense, a period of dividing out the wheat from the, wheat from the chaff. And some have fallen away and some have grown closer to the Lord. But we have stories to tell. And the key to having meaning, deeper meaning in our lives spiritually is when we can understand how the stories that we tell line up with the ultimate story. God's, God's big picture and what God is doing in this world. I want you to remember this this morning. That God's story is a story for His glory. That everything that God is doing is working for the exaltation of who He is. God's story is a story for His glory. Now when we can line up our stories, all that we have been through, the good times and the bad times, and we tell those stories, and one day when we are able to say, hey, I see how that fits into what God is doing and how God is working in, in, in my life, and we line up our stories with God's stories, it brings meaning, it brings purpose, and ultimately I think we're going to see from uh, the scriptures today that it brings joy to our lives. Because when we line ourselves up with God's will in our lives, the resulting emotion is joy. We've been going through the book of Nehemiah together uh, when we're meeting outside or online. And, uh, and I'll be amazed as we've been going through Nehemiah, how many times that the stories that we're reading in this Old Testament book like parallel our current experiences and just how we've found application in our own lives from this ancient story. But uh, what happens in the passage we're going to look at in this morning in Nehemiah is the walls have been rebuilt. The people are moving back into their beloved city of Jerusalem. And what they're doing is they're sitting around telling stories. And somebody says, remember how when we were building the walls, I was carrying one hammer in one hand and a sword in another to fend off my enemies? Now, uh, we'd hear that kind of story and we'd think, Grandpa, that can't be possibly true. That's too good. It's like the story of you walking uphill to five feet in the snow. It's like, it can't be possible. But that's what Nehemiah 4 says. They're, they've been through it. They've been through a difficult time. But 52 days it took to rebuild the walls. Now that in itself is a magnificent fact that they were able to do such a task. God was in it. And they're telling all of these stories. And then somebody remembers. Hey, you know what? We've got a bigger story to tell too. We're God's people. The Israelites remembered their, their forefather, Abraham, called them and said, I'm going to make you a special people. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as and numerous as the sand on the seashore. And they begin to recognize we've got individual stories to tell, but might it fit within the bigger story? And someone says, let's pull out the book. And some people say, what book? They've been captives for 150 years. They've, they've lost touch that they even have a scriptures. They have holy scriptures. And yet someone finds it and they bring it out and they begin to read the scriptures. And there's an anticipation because God is speaking to them in a new and a special way. We're picking up at the very end of Nehemiah 7 and I'm going to read into chapter 8. 
When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. This is where they're telling their stories. They're welcoming one another. They see one another and they're, and they're greeting one another. Then they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought out the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right uh, stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Milkajah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people, the people all stood up. And Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! And they bowed down, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Today, I hope, is a day where we are able to look around at all that is happening before us. And we are able to, in, the, in our own hearts, bow down and worship the Lord uh, because of what God has done. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and commit this time to Him. God, God we have been through a lot. And God, this morning we come before you humbly and we, first of all, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. And God, now as we open your word, kind of like the Israelites did 2,500 years ago, we open your word with, uh, with anticipation that you would come now and you would speak to us, that you would touch our hearts, that you would uh, impress these words upon us so that we can be formed to be your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice what happened when they brought the word of God out? They all stood. They stood to give honor and respect, but I also think they stood because they had anticipation. Most of them had not heard the words of Scripture before. They'd been in captivity, uh, first of all, by the Babylonians and then by the Persians for 150 years. They had lost touch with not only their ethnic heritage, but with their religious background. They had not heard the word of God. And yet somehow they intuitively knew that when this word was read, there was going to be something in it for them. They stood in anticipation because they knew that this word was a word for them. This word had, a, this word had the ability to guide their lives and to, get, and to bring power to transform their lives. David would later say in Psalm 119, how can a young person keep his stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, God's word has the ability to 
to, uh, to give us strength to live the lives that God wants us to live, to not sin against God, to get, put us on the path of purity. Paul would say all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, train, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That idea of being God-breathed, that means that the words of the Bible, the words of Scripture are given to us by God Himself. They are the words of God, and they are, they are useful for all kinds of things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. They thoroughly equip us for every good work. And Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, God's Word is sharp. It pierces us. It convicts us. It goes into the deep recesses of our hearts and our minds and our souls, and it, and it, and it pierces us so that we might be healed by it. God's Word has power. You know, the reason we gather in this sanctuary this morning, this is a day of celebration. This is a, this is a wonderful day. And, uh, but the reason we gather in this sanctuary with such excitement is not just because we've got AC in here and not out there. And it's, and it's not just because it's good to see one another and we don't get to do that in online worship. The reason that this is really a celebration is because this room has been set apart for two reasons. For the worship of a holy God and for the preaching of God's holy word. Now this room is in itself, it's built with the same materials as they build Walmart with. It's two by fours and stucco and paint. But this room is special because this room has been set apart for God. The word sanctuary has the same root as the word sacred or the word holy. Holy means to be set apart. We gather this morning with anticipation. I think of how the Israelites stood at the reading of God's word. They come with a holy anticipation. We come into this place. We, we gather and we're excited that we're moving back into the sanctuary because we come with anticipation that God is going to move here. That God's going to touch us in special ways. That God's going to speak his word to us. And that is powerful because we know that God's word has power. You see, every generation has to come back and to decide, will we obey the word of God or not? And I believe that as a country, as a culture today, we are at that turning point. We have to come before the Lord and we, and we have to dis discern in our own hearts, will we obey the word of God or will we leave it tucked away on the back shelf like the Israelites had done for 150 years? My challenge for all of us, that as we gather in this sanctuary, that we would be committing ourselves to say, God's word is important for us, that we will obey its teaching because it has power to change our lives. Now, you could go to another, quote-unquote, holy place. You could go to another uh, place where they are meeting uh, for religious purposes this morning, and I guarantee you they won't take the holy book that they have in the same way that we do. God's Word is unique. God's Word is the, uh, the Bible is unique compared to any other book in the world. The words that we are reading this morning are 2,500 years, 2, years old. 
and yet they apply specifically to our lives. Why? Because it's got not only a human author, Nehemiah wrote these words, but it's got a divine author as well. That these words are God-breathed. We come with anticipation that God is going to speak into our hearts. You know, every once in a while, one of my friends or somebody that I know will go out and uh, just overwhelmed by the things of life, and they think, i got to drown my sorrows tonight. And they'll go out and they'll drink too much, and they'll come uh, home barely able to put one foot in front of the other, and, and it breaks my heart because I recognize that the alcohol that they have consumed will not satisfy the longing of their hearts. The only thing that can really satisfy the longing of our hearts is the Word of God. And, we can, and, and, I, and sometimes we get so overwhelmed with just being the burnt out and tired on life, we'll sit down and we'll binge watch TV all night or we'll play our video game uh, for hours on end. There is only one thing that can energize your spirit, and that is the Word of God. You know, we've uh, been, even in the last 15 months, as we reflect on all that God has taken, done uh, to us, there have been people that have taken to the streets out of frustration with what is going on around them. Cultural uh, anger at the, uh, at the culture and society and the way things are. And they, can, and, and they can burn down buildings and beat up cars, but, the, but none of that will really change anything. The only thing that will change anything is the truth of God's Word. You see, we need God's Word. Our country needs God's Word. We as a church need God's Word. This community needs God's Word. You and I, individually, we need God's Word because there is power in this Word to satisfy the longings of our soul. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The words of Jesus, the words of God as recorded in, in the Bible are what our hearts and our souls are longing for. Now, did you notice what happens when they read the word of God? The Israelites have all gathered on this plain. It's at the water gate, and, they've, and Ezra has come in, and they've opened up the book there with such anticipation that they stand, and they read the book from daybreak until noon. They've been standing there for a long time, and every time something touches them, it says that they respond by saying, Amen! Amen! Is, I, I don't think anyone's taught them to do that. They've been in captivity for 150 years. This just comes from them spontaneously. I uh, amen literally means let it be so. Let it be so. And what happens is they hear the word of God and something resonates in their heart and they say, let it be so. Let it be so in my life. Let it be so in our community. You know, I love it when I'm up here preaching the word and somebody says, Amen. Because I know that then it has touched someone's heart. It's gotten a hold of them. It's resonated with them. And that's what I hope that happens in our, in our church, that we're reading the Word of God and somebody says, let it be so. Let it be so in my life. Let it be so in this church and in this community. Now, I've been to churches where the whole thing is just amens. Preach it, brother. Yes, let it be. 
Now, we're not going to probably ever be the point where we're getting up and dancing in the aisles. But I hope we have some amens because there's power in this word. It has the ability to transform our hearts. So if something resonates with you, something touches you and and God speaks to you, uh, let's respond and let's say, let it be so in my life, in my family, in this place. The people are alive. They're coming alive as they hear the word of God. And then Nehemiah 8-7 says, The Levites, and it gives a whole bunch of them. (laughs) There they are. Dot, dot, dot. Instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read the book of the law of God making it clear and giving meaning so that the people understood what was being said. That's, that's, oh man, I love that part. They made it clear, giving meaning so that the people understood what was being said. That's basically my job description. I hope that we can take uh, God's word and the the teaching and the preaching of uh, the Bible is made clear so that we can understand it and apply it to our lives. So now all these names, put those back up there for me one more time, would you? All these names that I'm not going to pronounce, we're going to put a substitute in here. Okay, these are the priests. The Levites are the priests. They were the ones in charge of dividing up the people into small groups and making sure they understood them. So in our church, we call that life groups. And so instead of these names, we're going to say J.R. and Susan Hun. Brian Quach and Darren Nakano, Daniel and Stephanie Romero, David and Luisa Mochizuki, Jose and Nancy Cortez, Pastor Darren, Chelsea and myself. The, this is how we are going to uh, take in the Word of God. We're going to read it on our own in the week, during the week. We're going to come together in, on Sunday morning with anticipation that God is going to speak to us. We're going to divide up into small groups, into life groups, and see how this all applies to our life. You see, the clarity of, of the Bible is based on four things. First of all, it's based on the fact that God's Word is the inspired Word of God. That the books of this Scripture, are, are the, of this Bible, are inerrant, authoritative, uh, applicable to our life. That's the first thing. Second, it is the clarity of God's Word is through the teachers and the preachers of God's Word. Now, you can read this on your own, and you can get a lot from it. God's gifted some and put some in positions to explain it, and that's a good thing. Third thing that the clarity of the Bible is based on is the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart, that God is our teacher, that He comes and impresses things upon us and uh, opens up the truth for us. And then the fourth thing that it depends on is it depends on the receptivity of the hearer. You see, the best preacher in the world could be up here and uh, explaining it with all clarity. But you have to decide in your own heart that I'm going to take it and put it into action, apply it to my life. We've got these nice, beautiful red chairs, right? Uh, When we were picking out chairs, I told the board of directors, get the good ones. What you don't know is in the bottom of each of these chairs, there's a magnet. Okay? There's a, you will be held in that seat 
until you decide how this word is going to apply to your life. And you're going to be stuck there until, hey, this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm just kidding. There's no magnets, obviously. But my point is, my hope is that before you leave the sanctuary every Sunday, you would say, not only was that just, uh, not only did I hear a good word, but I'm going to do a good word. I'm going to put it into practice. You see, the clarity of God's Word is based on the inspired Word of God, on the teaching of God's Word, on the Holy Spirit, but it's also based on you. I can't make you do it, and your life group can't, leader can't make you do it, or anyone, but we can all say, I want to be the servant of God, to do the Word of God, and that's when it has power. Even when Jesus was on this earth, many would come, and he was surely the greatest teacher that's walked on the face of the planet ever. And people would come and some would walk away and, and just be overwhelmed and say, I've never heard teaching like that. In fact, that's what uh, Matthew 8.1 says. Uh, the people went away and said they were, well, actually, I think it's the end of Matthew 7. But anyway, they walked away and they said, uh, we've never heard such teaching. And then there was others that walked away thinking, I have no idea what that guy said. <laughs> Why? Because there were some that had hearts to receive it and the Holy Spirit was at work, and there were some that said, forget it, I want nothing to do with it. There are many in the, wor- in the world today that would take the Word of God and say, I want nothing to do with it. But the thing is, those that receive it reap the benefits from it. We have guidance for our lives, and ultimately, when we follow the Lord's will, the result is joy. Verse 10 of Nehemiah 8. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 12. They celebrated with great joy. Why? Because they they now understood the words that had been spoken to them. Verse 17. And their joy was very great, exceedingly great. The emotion of the kingdom is joy. There's a difference between happiness and joy. I just want to make this clear. You know, uh, we went out and we passed out flyers in the community this week, inviting people to come and join us for church. And so many people said, you know, I'm happy got a good life. I've got so many things. Happiness is found in the external things. And many people will find happiness in this life. And they'll uh, have a good marriage and a wonderful job. And they'll have a pleasant vacation. And they'll say, I'm happy. But the Israelites weren't simply satisfied with happiness. They had a lot of room to be happy. The walls were rebuilt. They had brand new homes. Their children were playing safe out in the front yard. But they, they didn't settle for happiness. What they got was joy. You see, if happiness shows up in the expected places, joy shows up in the unexpected places. Joy shows up in hospital rooms and in mortuaries and on dark days. Because there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is something external. Joy is something internal. Joy is a deep gladness within our hearts because we know that God is sovereign and that he is good and that he is faithful. You see, you can go through the darkest of days and you can have joy 
because you know who is in control of your life. God is in control. And so there's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is rooted in the teaching of God's Word. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus gave us his teaching so that our joy can be, can be overflowing. You know, as I said, as we've been going through Nehemiah, uh, I've just been amazed at how the right word comes on the right Sunday and it parallels what we're going through. And... Uh, I'm convinced that God has done that this morning as well. Because what we see here in Nehemiah, maybe more than anywhere else in the scriptures, is that revival breaks out. What we have here is people are awakened from their, from their just being oblivious to God, and all of a sudden, out of their spiritual sleepiness and slumber, they're awakened to the joy of the Lord. That the Word of God comes alive for them. Revival is when we finally understand who God is and what He has done for us. And we don't act as if He doesn't exist or there is no eternity. But we begin to act with spiritual realities at the forefront of our minds. In other words, we become alive to God. We're awakened to the Spirit of God. Tim Keller, whom... Uh, I know many of you love, we went through his book, Counterfeit Gods. Tim Keller said the most necessary element for revival is a recovery of the gospel itself with a particular emphasis on the new birth and on salvation through grace alone. And so that's my hope, is that when we regather into this sanctuary, it's not just so that we can get back to life as, as it used to be, my hope is that God breathes new life into our church and into our lives. In fact, that's been my revival. That's been my prayer for the last 15 months is that God would bring revival. And I think we need to continue to pray for that. As I said, the pandemic has accelerated the movement away from us being a Christian nation, a movement away from people putting God at the center of our lives. What we need more than anything is we need revival. Would you pray that with me? Would you pray that God would stir in our hearts so that the spiritual eyes of our, of our hearts and our souls and our minds would be awakened so that we would see God for who he really is, that we would begin to take God's word seriously, apply it to our lives, and you know what will happen? You'll get joy. God's not a joy kill. A lot of people think if I follow God and I do his commandments, I'm not going to have any uh, fun anymore. God's a joy. It's the exact opposite. It's when we, fought, when we line up our lives with who God is and what he says to us. It's that, uh, it's that joy fills our hearts. And as the scriptures say here, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray for revival. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning and our hearts are overwhelmed. We're really excited to be back in this place. We're excited for, uh, we're thankful for what you have done. And God, now we come with anticipation. We see how the Israelites stood when the, when the law of the Lord was read. We come with the same sort of anticipation, God. Do a work. Pour out your spirit, we pray. God, this week has been a doozy on me. 
I've been really struggling this week, and I know it's because of the attack of the evil one. God, I know that we have been, uh, that what is happening in this place is of you because Satan's not going to let us move forward easily. And so, God, we pray that you would bind the evil one, and we pray that you would send your spirit in in a special way and that we would experience revival because we are awakened from our, spirit, our spiritual slumber and we, become a, and we become alive to who you are. We thank you for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.